Welcome to Sprinkle with Hope podcast with your host, Jason. We are so, so excited about today's episode. We have Dr. Roseanne on with us today. She is a, a psychotherapist that helps people with stress and anxiety and other different kinds of issues, but she really made this episode fun. She talked about those things, anxiety and stress and how we can deal with them. She gave some really good pointers, but she just kept it fun. And, and you know, that was her message to us is that, you know, in these times you can laugh and enjoy life and there's great things to be happy about. She has come up with a way to remember some simple things that we can do to overcome or help someone overcome stress and anxiety and those type of things. So really, this is a fantastic discussion. We're so grateful for her and her time. We're also very grateful for all of our listeners. And please listen in. Welcome to the Sprinkled with Hope podcast. Welcome to Sprinkle with Hope podcast with your host, Jason. We are so, so excited today uh, about today's episode. We have an awesome guest with us, uh, Dr. Roseanne Kapana-Hodge. She's with us today. Um, she is amazing. You guys are really going to love her. But let me just give a little bit of background. Dr. Roseanne is a mental health trailblazer, founder of the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health. And Dr. Roseanne Kapana Hodge, LLC, who is changing the way we view and treat children's mental health. So we are going to talk about mental health today. So hopefully you get something out of this that that really will help you, um, you know, just figure out what you are. And we this is going to be a fun episode. So thank you, Dr. Roseanne, for coming on with us today. Well, I'm so excited to be here. I mean, I I'm all about teaching people how to believe and have hope. So such a great name for your podcast. I'm, I'm grateful to be talking about mental health because we all need a little TLC in 2021. Yes, we do. <laughs> so we do. Um, Dr. Roseanne, would you kind of give just a little bit of, you know, I gave you just a little snippet. Yeah. Would you kind of mind just talking about kind of what you do and, and uh, you know, um, you know, I know you have a book coming out, so we'll talk about that, but just give just a little brief background history. Sure. So I'm a psychologist and a therapist. This is my 30th year in mental health, wow. um, supporting kids, their families. I also work with adults, um, but I really love working with kids and their families because there's always so much we can do at any point, but you know, we kids are struggling. They've been struggling for a very long time, long before this pandemic. We're at a crisis level. And right before the pandemic started in January of 2020, I founded the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health because I really am on this mission to change the way we view and treat children's mental health. I have been on hundreds of TV shows, top tier publications, podcasts, because people need to hear that there mm -hmm. are things they can do to reduce and reverse mental health. And they're just not getting their, that message. And it makes people feel truly out of hope. And I want to, you know, these are things that it doesn't matter where you follow me, you buy my book. I'm giving this information out to people. They just need to believe and take action. That's great. So I'm not an expert like you, but Dr. Roseanne, how is there ways that we can uh, identify with as somebody who might 
be starting these this journey and might start having mental health issues is there is there a signal or something that we can see that will help us yeah such such a great question because you know, this is a scary statistic, a startling statistic that's really accurate. It takes 11 years from the onset of the first signs of a mental health problem before somebody gets appropriate mental health, according to NAMI wow. in 2019. And people say, how is that possible? Are we including third world countries? No, this is the U.S. Wow. And I see this every day. I see people going, asking for help. Um, you know, we can only connect the dots looking backwards, right? But what are some signs, right? Mm -hmm. So, and adults and kids show their issues differently, but really there's a lot of crossover. So one of the first things that are signs of mental health issues are actually what we call somatic signs. And those are body signals. Those are issues with things like um, sleep problems. One of the mm -hmm. most prevalent issues in any type of mental health issue is sleep problems, getting to sleep in particular, but staying asleep or having issues waking up. Okay. That doesn't mean your teen, <laughs> you know, has a mental health issue could, could mean could mean it, but you know, teens don't wake up because um, <laughs> of the hormone changes people. So, but it's having gastrointestinal issues, like very, very common to have things like constipation or, you know, loose stools or really just belly aches and gas and all kinds of upset. I've had so many people have be what's called a cyclical vomiter and mm -hmm. they just get so stressed. They, they vomit. Um, and then, you know, really things that, you know, uh, especially, you know, signs that you might see would be a change. So somebody was like a happy, you know, these guys were joking. I'm always in a good, I said, I'm always in a good mood. And this is actually a really stressful day for me. Um, and, and, and they were like, we'd like to really see you on a good day, you know? And, but what if all of a sudden I was just snippy and crabby for an extended period of time or sad and withdrawn, you know, you want to look for those signs and symptoms. I mean, really the thing about mental health, I think that people are realizing in 2021 guys is that nobody's immune from having yeah. a mental mm -hmm. health issue, yeah. you know? Yep. Yeah, I yeah. would guess a lot of the stuff that you're, you're talking about those signs, um, go back to stress and anxiety and uh, can you explain the difference between those two things? Again, I'm not an expert, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So stress is a normal thing that happens to all of us. Okay. Right. You know, if you think about the last, well, I'll tell you my last petty annoyance, maybe because I'm already cranky today <laughs> was it's always a Subaru or a Honda SR <laughs> Honda. Okay. I'm just a Honda SR CRV. They will not get out of the passing lane, right? So I had a car pacing and the whole car, the whole line of, you know, 12 cars behind me, you know, with this Honda CRV. Great car. Not, I'm just saying, right? So <laughs> yeah. He's in the passing lane. We're late for school. What happens, right? What happens when you're stressed? You get a physiological response. You get a little hot, you might feel a little cranky. Not saying that, that, that somebody, you know, maybe some expletives come out, right? You know, you, your body has this physiological response to stress. And that's because our stress 
system is called an autonomic nervous system. So you, you get agitated or upset, whatever the word is, and your nervous system goes from a relaxed parasympathetic state, I call that the hot tub state, then you're, you go into this sympathetic dominant. And that's designed to uh, help you, you know, put all your resources in, get your cortisol going, because that's what stress is supposed to be like. Well, a healthy response, right? You, you get agitated, right? I mean, I let it go, right? I was like, right. whatever. okay, I'm going to be late, whatever it is, right? Let's crank up the music, right? That, yeah. So then my nervous system goes back down to the, my nice hot tub state. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I call it the hot tub state because you know exactly what I say. When you're super relaxed, you come out of the hot tub, you're like, wow, I feel great. <laughs> and, but when you have chronic, chronic stress, you start living in this sympathetic activated state. And the more activated you are, the more you experience uncomfortableness, right? So like today, you know, Amazon censored me today. So, so today's not a day that I want to maybe do other things that are risky, right? Because I'm just going to be like, because what's going to happen is potty words are going to come out of my mouth. That's what's going to happen. Right. <laughs> That's how I manage stress. It's associated with high IQs, people, potty words. So, <laughs> so, 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 you know, you have to do that. So, so what's the difference between stress and anxiety? So, you know, I, I you know, your normal response, you have stressors, you know, you get in an argument with your teenager, you, you, your kid falls and, oh my gosh, you know, um, your nervous system goes back to normal, but you have lots of compounded stressors. Like you have the world's worst boss. Okay. And, and every day that man or woman is micromanaging you and making your life hell. Okay. That is ongoing stress. And when you have ongoing stress, it can flip into anxiety, depression, Mm. OCD, other issues. Now we often think of mental health issues as only being genetic, right? Mm -hmm. That's from great marketing from pharma. And they want you to think that everything is biochemical and that a pill is going to fix it. But really a lot of mental health issues result from chronic long-term stressors. Some of them very serious, right? Mm -hmm. Like we think about what's going on in the pandemic. People have lost their jobs. People, you know, just never not knowing where the next meal is coming from. These are like stressors that are beyond terrible. Um, uh, Having breakup of marriages, a number one stressor, divorce. Um, And so, you know, these are things that really can trigger other, you know, mental health issues. The, the clinical definition of anxiety or any of these things, they has to be a significant life impact. So there has to be an impact in your relationships, your work, your, your schooling in some way, shape or form. And that's when it becomes a clinical issue. And you can be functional. This is the part that most people think about, don't think about in mental health. They think, you know, like in the movies that you have to be like bedridden, right. you know, not going anywhere. That's not what mental health looks like. Mental health looks like most people are functioning, right? We're not saying they're functioning well, but they might have really high functioning in one area and the other area be terrible. So, so when you hear about things like celebrities like Anthony Bourdain or Kate Spade killing themselves, you say, how is that possible? 
they had, you know, Anthony Bourdain had this amazing show and, and Kate Spade had this great business. Well, they might've put all their energy in that. And then they were suffering internally. Right. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. just don't know that. So, you know, whenever somebody is suffering and, and that's where I think a lot of people think I can't be depressed or my kid can't be anxious. Like in America, uh, we use grades as a benchmark of mental health. So many people will say to me, you know, I saw little signs that my kid was anxious. You know, they they um, didn't want to come out with the family, um, but they were straight A student. You know, I didn't know how depressed they were, or anxious they were. So we have to think beyond that. And I do think people are really changing their ideas about mental health during this unprecedented time of stress in, you know, 2020 and 2021. Yeah, that's awesome. I- as you were talking, it kind of reminded me of something I heard yesterday, which was, um, you know, maybe you could clarify this, but the vagus nerve, you know, runs from our brain all the way down into our stomach and even into our pelvic area. And so is that part in why, you know, they have these vomiting problems and they get sick to their stomach? I've also heard that that's like where you say, trust your gut, or you get that intuition in your gut, trust your gut feeling is because that vagus nerve is connected to the brain going all the way down through the body. Yeah, we don't, most people don't realize. So the vagus nerve is the connector, right? Mm -hmm. But actual gut has almost as much electrical activity in it as your brain. Mm. And people are like, what? And that's why, you know, you hear happy gut and gut health is so important. The vagus nerve, there's a bi-directional influence between your brain and your gut. And that vagus nerve is that connector. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, your gut is your um, alert system in a lot. And that's why people will feel things in their stomach, a, a disruption, you know, of some kind. And gastrointestinal symptoms are very, very common um, with anybody with any level of stress or distress. Mm-hmm. That that's really cool. Fascinating. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I could tell you all kinds of geeky things about our stress response system and the brain and the body. I mean, the basis of the work that I do is literally, this is what I do. This is the basis is I teach people to regulate their nervous system. And then you come in with new learning and, and why people come to me and have such dramatic change is because you can't learn You cannot process information. You cannot act if your nervous system is in a stress hyperactivated state. Mm. It's based on physiology. You actually can't heal. So if you have an autoimmune disease or you have Lyme disease or something else going on and you're getting great medical care, but your nervous system is stress hyperactivated, as we talked about, it's not in that hot tub state. The way that the, the body, how it works is it will say, oh, Let's send all the troops to figure out what the stressor is. We're going to ignore something that's there, like a tick-borne illness or um, celiac disease. We know you have that. So we're going to put that on the side. And then your body gets stuck in this non-healing state. And until you calm down the nervous system, which there's lots of ways you can do, they're all natural, it just takes intent and you really have to actually practice them. Um, You can really start creating massive change for both the healing response, but in in a physical problem, but as well as a mental health problem. So are are there certain things that we can do to help people um, through these stressful times and and their anxiety and those types of things? And, And, you know, we might 
be talking about children, but I think some of that also applies to adults. Um, oh, it's a hundred percent equally equally applicable applicable to um, today's day uh, um, adults as well. <laughs> you know, it is absolutely. And you know, I think sometimes people overthink things, right? Like they, they I'm a huge fan of big things. Like I do neurofeedback and biofeedback and psychotherapy and things like that. But it's really the daily. It's the daily thing. So you, you know, what can people do? I have a really simple protocol, four parts called a reps protocol. And I teach kids this, I teach adults this, I teach organizations this. And, you know, people like things to be broken down, right? And reps, it started with that I was had that as sort of my antidote to reentry panic syndrome as people were reentering the world. But the more I talked about it, I was like, this is really applicable to anything, right? Mm -hmm. So four parts, reps are respirator, breathe. Um, E is for envision or visualizing. P is for positivity and S is for stress management. And it all starts with breath work. Well, I should have a, another one. It all starts with hope and belief. And mm -hmm. we'll tie that to vision. But uh, it's one of the biggest obstacles that I see in healing um, is just people believing, right? You know, like, you know, recently I had a situation where we had a not typical for me. Most of my parents that I work with are like awesome and they're all in and they trust. Yeah. Well, I had somebody who didn't trust, right? And mm -hmm. what is trust really about? It's about not believing and having hope, right? So no matter what we did, it was literally almost like a daily kind of phone call with this mom, right? And what was happening is this kid actually was getting dramatically better doing some neurofeedback and, and um, some other types of like a type of psychotherapy specific to her problem. And it was so much, she, she was like almost throwing a wrench in this process. Right. And, and it's like, you know, you get her to a certain point and it was like, well, she doesn't have panic attacks anymore. She's not doing this anymore. And she's not doing that. And then it was, you know, it was still a lot of, yeah, but, and ultimately was about that. This kid believed that she could get better. That was not even the issue. It was right. about this other not being able to believe. And, and eventually her voice quieted and she started to see there was change but um, when we hack into the power of our brain and what, it, what we tell it, you know, your brain will believe anything you tell it, right? Mm -hmm. So why don't you tell it good stuff? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, and, right? And I always use the analogy, like a, guy, a batter doesn't go up to bat and say, I'm going to stink. Right. He's like, I'm going to knock this out of the park. And you're going to just more likely to, whether you want to call it manifest or whatever you want to call it, it's really about your subconscious brain and everything in your body activating. So we go back to the reps protocol. What I like to do is start with breath. And, and part of that is the vagus nerve. And it's getting your, your whole autonomic nervous system to just relax, mm -hmm. get it down into that parasympathetic state. Again, understanding that nothing is going to change in our actions and our thinking if we don't calm our nervous system down. And I love very simple breathing techniques, but ultimately it's, you have to do what's called a belly breath, a diaphragmatic breath. And my favorite breath is a four, seven, eight. So it's in for four seconds, hold for seven, and then a long exhalation for eight. And mm. you repeat that three times in a row. And I like to do it at least three times a day. And it can really be quite dramatic 
and helping people, especially when you're doing it before you're stressed out. It's a great thing to do if you're like, you're like me, that lady in the hot in the Honda CRV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. I might even do like some other techniques like EFT tapping or something like that. But so, you know, music is a great way and giggles are a great way for me to calm down and I had my 10 year old with me and he's a giggler. So we <laughs> definitely, and he's a dancer, so we can either go either way or combine right. them. But so breath work is the first part in the reps and then envisioning, seeing yourself, whatever you're struggling with, right? So maybe it's seeing yourself like, you know, your your difficult boss. Maybe it's seeing yourself um, getting through that day and having a great day. Maybe it's a bigger vision of I've got another job. Um, but I like for people to stay present and really try to keep things realistic because sometimes when we don't, we feel even sadder, right? Yeah. Um, and then positivity. It's about saying positive things to yourself out loud. Uh, people are rough on themselves. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, what goes on in people's heads and what they say to themselves, nobody else would ever say that to you. No. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I did have one quick question. Yeah. So on that four, seven, eight, yeah. is that a, is that an inhale through the nose and out the mouth or is that inhale yes, and exhale inhale out the nose? nose? And you want to fill up. Most people breathe wrong. When they try to pull air in, they suck their stomach in. What you want to do is fill it up like a balloon and you can practice by putting, you can do it on the floor or seated and you put your hand on and you want it to rise. So as you pull air in, have your stomach rise, hold, and then exhale out of your mouth. Okay. You know, um, and you can, you know, you can, there's other kinds of breaths, as long as it's a true belly breath. And you always want to try to get that exhale a little bit longer. That's what really helps get you down into that parasympathetic state. And then the last S in the last, the last S is yeah. um, stress management and you got to pick sun and you got to do it 10 minutes a day. So if it's breath work, if it's meditation, which I don't care who you are, you can do meditation, Yeah, great apps. Um, you can do yoga, you can do biofeedback, you can do neurofeedback, you can do prayer, you can do gratitude journaling. I mean, there's just so much you can do. You just got to do it. And I practice stress management techniques seven days a week, at least, I mean, I would say it's three or four times a day. There's something I'm doing in some way, shape or form, even if it's small things. Right. Um, and you know, I even include laugh therapy in there. I think people don't know how to have fun anymore. I agree. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and there's nothing like a giggle and, you know, I love like to send my friends memes you know, just to have like a meme off. You know? Totally. I, I totally get it. And something interesting that I also heard too, was our voice and our mouth is so connected to that vagus nerve. So when you do laugh or talk or, or, or even sing, right. Like, like yeah. that's why music is such a helpful thing because you're, you're grabbing that vagus nerve by using your mouth and that, you know, so you're doing breath work, you're singing, you're laughing, you're whatever you're talking that also helps that vagus nerve to calm down because they're, they are very much connected from so connected. I mean, there really is such a, it, it is, it's the connector between your brain and your gut. And there's so much that can happen. Right. And well, you know, we, we think there has to be this thing 
right? Okay, so you can have a clinical issue. And yes, I have the thing. I have neurofeedback and biofeedback and psychotherapy. These things are really dramatic. But you start doing these little things during the day. Like, I'm going to really do some things to laugh, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to hang out, right? And, and that's not to say, you know, like, I have some really fun people in my, my life, including my husband, who, you know, like, I yesterday, I cut my finger open. And I was like, could you get some extra Band-Aids for me? And he's like, send, he sends me a picture and it's Star Wars Band-Aids. And I said, these are not for the kids. And he said, but they'll have the force with them and they'll work better. Yes. Yes, I love it. about that for like 24 hours now do you know what i'm saying i might even do a TikTok on that right <laughs> so <laughs> but you know that's the kind of fun you gotta yeah. have right you know what i mean and totally. like you know and i know when you're you're like roseanne i'm depressed and i'm and i'm not there but take micro steps i think that's the hardest part we can't put ourselves on the top of the mountain you you have to just be in that moment and that's where these techniques like breath work they really can have such a dramatic impact on your mental health. You just have to do that, right? You know, it's like working out, you know, you, you got a dusty old treadmill, get your butt on there, you know, mm-hmm. go and walk out and do things. So, you know, that's why it's so, so important because we, there's such a direct correlation to, to how we treat our body and what we say to ourselves and what we think to really the long-term impact of mental health. That's awesome. Well, Roseanne, this has been a fascinating conversation. I would love to have you on again, for sure. We, we, we have at the very end of our podcast, we always like to ask two questions and we call it the double down dose. And so I'm going to ask a question, and then Shane's going to ask a question. So what is your definition of hope? We've talked about it a little bit, but I want to hear what your definition of hope is. Yeah, my definition of hope is believing and seeing what you want to have happen. I mean, that really is what my idea of hope is. Okay, great. That's really good. I have also very much enjoyed this discussion. I, I love your reps uh, thing. I, I think I'll implement that for myself and um, you know share that with others. Uh, the second part of Double Down Dose, we've talked a lot about stress and anxiety. So um, we came up with an acronym HOPE, H-O-P-E, and the O stands for overcome. So what does that mean to you to overcome? Yeah, I mean, well, what it means to me instantly, it makes me think of all the special needs parents that I work with, including myself being a special needs parent. And, you know, it is a, a rough journey. And when you struggle for yourself, it's hard. But when you see your child struggle, it is an indescribable pain. And um, what I always say to parents, there's, there's a lot of things you can do. And, you know, I title my book, it's going to be okay, because it's what I tell every parent, and they need to hear that. And I lay out for them how these eight pillars, I call them the eight pillars of hope and healing. Um, because there's so much you can do. And when I think about overcoming, it's really about staying positive, you know, sticking, take, you know, taking one thing. I, I also often say little waves create big waves. And so 
stay in that moment, stick with what you're doing and don't give up. And that's really how you overcome things. Um, and, and always trust your gut. We, we are a culture yeah. where people don't trust their gut. It's one of my greatest gifts my parents gave me was um, to truly, essentially in Italian, tell me to not give a crap what people said. <laughs> and, and I really own that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and, and never to be rude, but like, don't let anybody fool you, you know, like know yourself and, and know who you are. And when you do that, you're able to really trust your gut. And we're in this place where people are losing hope, especially as a special needs parent, because they're jumping on the worry train and they're not listening to their gut. And when you really hone in on that and you, you become, you, I talk about the the, the medical, the, the healing pyramid, right? And we put a physician on top. No, you need to kick that person off. You need to put yourself on top. Mm-hmm. And that's how you overcome things. And, and belief, hope, and trusting your gut are all really connected. So that's what I think about overcoming. You this know, has as been, somebody who's been fantastic. There. This, yeah. this has been so great. So you did mention your book a little bit. I, I do want you to talk about that. You know, when's it going to release and, sure. and what kind of what, what it's about? Yeah. So I have a book called, it's going to be okay. The subtitle, we'll see what, we'll see what Amazon (laughs) said. They won't let me have proven ways to reverse mental health. Um, So it's probably going to be proven ways to improve mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll see what happens, but um, it's really, I do call it the eight pillars of hope and healing. And I teach people, this is my life's work. This is my 30 years worth of work where people come to me in my center or work with me virtually, um, which I still do. And it really lays out what you need to do in the foundational components. And you may say, well, eight things, holy moly, that's a lot. No, what I want you to know is there's a lot you can do and I show you how to do it. And so, you know, what are those things? So six of them are the same for any type of issue, regardless of age. And, you know, it's, it's stress management, it's sleep, it's detoxification, nutrition, nutritional deficiencies, and genetic mutations. And then I really hone in on parenting and which type of parenting tweaks, very specific kinds of tweaks can really help your kids to listen and and take action differently. And then brain-based therapy. So I really walk you through meditation, psychotherapy, EFT tapping, neurofeedback, and just open up for people these these therapies that they may not have considered. Uh, 40 pages of research citation so people can feel, wow, this is trusted content. I don't ha- I want you to be Google MT, MD, but you don't have to be Google MD <laughs> yeah. um, because I've done the work for you. Um, it's a great book. There's lots, it's super enjoyable. It is available now on pre-sale. You can go to it's going to be okay.com. And I have a ton of free, free freemiums for people, um, when they put in that they bought the book and then it comes out May 11th and I will have an audible. I just have, don't have time. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah I'm definitely, it's gonna, coming. I'm going to look up the book. Thank you for that information. Dr. Roseanne, this has been a fantastic discussion. I I truly appreciate your time, your insight, um, and your dedication to really changing the way that we view these mental health issues. So thank you so much and best wishes to you and your family and everything that you have upcoming. Well, thanks for having this conversation because 
you know, every time we talk about mental health and we help to destigmatize it. And, you know, I know whenever we do these things, somebody is positively impacted. And so thank you for bringing this to, to all your listeners. So, and thanks for cracking up at my jokes. (laughs) (laughs) No, of course. And I, I, you know, I would second what Shane said, and that is, you know, we do need to talk about these, these issues. And I think oftentimes we sweep them under the rug and say, oh no, they're not real. Or, you know, you're making it up or, yeah, these are real things. They're just not external things, right? They, like there's people that have sicknesses, illnesses, and you can physically see those. These are illnesses that people have that you just can't see. And some of them don't show them readily, right? They, they just kind of no. try to hide them. And No. I mean, if we had, you know, as a mom who, you know, had a child with um, Lyme disease that led to something called PANS, which is the body turns, it's a misdirected immune response. The body starts attacking itself, creates inflammation, and then neurocognitive or neuropsychiatric problems can result. So my son had psychiatric problems. He was very much an externalizer. And I'm going to tell you that if he had cancer, I would have been treated very differently and instead very much rejected. And it didn't matter how fun I am, because you know how fun I am and how <laughs> how awesome the Hodge parties are with our MTV Cribs pool, because we do have one. <laughs> so <laughs> it didn't matter. And, yeah. and and we just can't, we can't do this to people. We can't. We have to really give people love and attention and then, you know, and and guidance and support. And uh there's, you know, it's it's a time we have so much information and I wish things have changed in a different way. Um, And that's why I'm having this conversation. I just want people to realize that there really are so many natural things that people can do that are ridiculously effective. They're just not hearing about it. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much. And everybody who's listening, you know, take care of yourselves. We, Shane and I are sending our love and support to you. And Dr. Roseanne is here. If you need her, I'm sure you can contact her in in any way that you can get a hold of her. But this has been such a great discussion and hopefully you guys all get something out of this. 